0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your number one source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts here. And join me, as always, is my dad, my co-host, Matt. Dad,
1: how are you doing? I'm doing well. We're here uh, first podcast post-NFL Combine. Yep. Lots of stuff to talk about. Oh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about.
0: Lots of stuff to talk about. You know, Combine is rumor week. Combine is one of the best data collecting points during the entire pre draft process. It's a lot to talk about. Before we get to yeah. any of that.
1: Oh, sorry, go ahead. But speaking of like rumor week, but yeah, there's apparently I think a lot of the staffers there spend a lot more time gossiping and talking oh, to yeah. each other than they actually spend paying attention to any of the athletes. Yes.
0: The, it it seems like it based on the talk we get and getting to watch the guys work out yeah. is kind of an extra side bonus from all the the, ch- the chit chat they get to get done.
1: Right. They should just change the NFL rules so that the legal tampering period starts with the first yeah. day of the combine because you know what's going on anyway. Yes. And before we get to all this,
0: we got a lot to talk about. A lot of Aaron Rodgers related rumors, a, mostly Aaron Rodgers related rumors, a few good injury news updates that came right before the Combine uh, after our last episode. But before we get to any of that, we just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you enjoy what you hear, come give us a follow on Twitter at FathersonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes. We're starting Mock Draft Mondays. Now that the draft is ramping up, we'll be tweeting a new Mock Draft every single Monday. We tweet articles that we find interesting, uh, news and updates surrounding the Packers, etc. Things like that. So come give us a follow on Twitter. Once again, that's at FathersonPacker. If you really like this podcast, some subscri- come subscribe to us on all platforms you can find Whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us And if you really, really, really like us Come subscribe to us on YouTube We post all of our uh, episodes there as well And that would really help us in terms of algorithm And just in terms of getting numbers up And so we would appreciate all of that But Dad, are you uh, ready to get to it? Let's get to it There's right. a lot of
1: stuff out there
0: Yes Um And... Where should we well, start? Well, let's let's lead it in. Let's start with the number one interest of all Packers fans right now, and that is Aaron Rodgers news. So a couple things to touch on. Number one, this is kind of Aaron Rodgers adjacent news, more quarterback market news, but since the last time we recorded, Derek Carr has officially signed with the Saints four years, $150 million, and so that mostly takes an option off of the Jets table, yes, and it's going to kind been- lead into another piece of news that we're gonna talk about in just a second, but it seemed like the Jets were really like kind of between Rogers and Carr in terms of quarterbacks they like the most and now carr is off the market. So Dad, what do you think yeah. about
1: that? Well they kept hyping up Carr. Oh, we're happy with Carr. Carr will be great here. We're yeah, we'll go with Carr. I mean maybe we like Rogers better, but Carr will be great. It's like, well they no, can't no, say they, that anymore. They didn't stop it great.
0: They said carr would be a Hall of Fame. Hall of Hall Famer, of Famer.
1: Hall of <laughs> <laughs> That was
0: preposterous, but all right. Like gas him up I, <laughs> I guess. guess they're
1: expecting him to win Four Super Bowls in a row for the
0: Jets? I was telling you earlier, I was like, people don't think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. What's Derek Carr going to do in the next, like, four years for the Jets, where he's going to get past (laughs) that, but whatever. Um, But, so, Derek Carr signing with the Saints clearly shows that either it was communicated, to me at least, it's either, it was communicated to him from the, because it sounded like he wanted to sign with the Jets as well. And so it seems like it was either communicated from the Jets to him that they were going to wait for Aaron Rodgers or they already kind of have a bit of a like handshake, like talked yeah. it out agreement where they are starting to have discussions with Rodgers. And that kind I, of.
1: I, I, I had this like one of two ways. Either the Jets said, see ya, or Carr said, screw you.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to wait any longer. Like- <laughs> but either way, it seems like the Jets were content to miss out on Carr to wait for Rodgers because they're kind of in quarterback no man's land. They need a quarterback. They have the rest of the roster. Anybody who watched the Jets this year knows they need a quarterback. And that kind of brings us to the next point and actually two more points. And so we're going to start with the Rich Eisen story that he had on the Rich Eisen show. We uh, tweeted out the uh, link to it. You can check on our Twitter, but essentially what he said he had was doing a segment on the five biggest stories that he like news bits, pieces of rumor that he heard while he was at the combine and One of them was essentially that he heard, quote, over and over again, that the Packers are really hoping that Rodgers either wants to be traded or wants to retire, and they are really hoping that he does not want to try and run it back which I think is really interesting. Obviously, it is smoke season. Like People are trying to essentially cloudy up these things. It would be very beneficial to a team like the Jets if it was made clear, if it seemed like prevailing sentiment was that the Packers didn't want Rodgers anymore because then they wouldn't have to trade as much for Rodgers. And so obviously there's that
1: you need to consider, but I think it's still interesting. What do you think, Dad? There's all kinds of rumors all over the map. If you believe Twitter and people's rumors about what the trade... A package should be for Rodgers, anywhere from you know five first five first rounders, or we 'll give you a ham sandwich, but we need a first rounder in return to take to the contract, to take, yeah. take, a, take the contract off your hands,
0: but I do think it is different though when it is a rumor like a rumor on Twitter is very different from a rumor that is being shared amongst n f l executives and coaches yes and so and, and, I do and, think yeah, with, like, with
1: Eisen reporting what he heard is like well I, he 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 definitely heard something and, he, and it sounded like he heard it heard talk like this multiple times it wasn't just yeah. once right yes he explicitly
0: reported. said yeah like he's heard it from multiple different people which is interesting and then that kind of all circles around into what was just tweeted out about like 20 minutes before we started recording by trey wingo who tweeted that the Jets and Rogers, let me make sure I get this tweet exactly right, uh, because I did just read it. So, per sources, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets had conversations today, that is, Monday, March 6th. While nothing is imminent, Rogers is open to the idea of going to New York. What do you make of that, Dad?
1: It sounds like something's happening.
0: Yes, I agree. Something's
1: I- happening. Where is this? This is the office meme? All right, everybody, stay calm. Oh, my God, it's happening.
0: Stay calm. But, yeah, so I I would say with all of these things kind of circling around, I mean, you know, one story is one thing. A series of rumors is another thing. The fact that he's officially meeting with the – reported that he's meeting with the Jets and the Packers would have to give him permission to meet with the Jets for it to not be tampering, I believe, as I understand it. Yes, I think that's correct. So at all? kind of seems to be pointing that there might be something in the works here between the Packers and the Jets where something could happen. And I mean, I don't want to be like a shock jock journalist, but something could happen any day. Now I would be surprised if something doesn't ha- like either they cement that he's staying or that they trade him within the next week. I would be surprised
1: if that doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm expecting something in the next few days at this point since we've already come this far. Yeah. And it was actually, you, you know, we had, I think also there was like a, uh, the weird sort of Brandon Marshall thing of it all. I remember it was like,
0: yeah, the tweet that that didn't do it oh,
1: like, But wasn't even just that. It was like, oh, but then you see that not just the, the kind of retirement congratulation thing, but then it's like, oh yeah. Then after I said that four teams contacted me and then <laughs> there were, that was, and that was the only thing that there were like four teams interested. Several people have used that number and I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. But it also and- there, you have these, Conflicting reports about oh nobody's interested they'll get him for a song oh there're four teams interested lots of teams will want him well it's, I was also going to it's all part on, of live season
0: well I was going to touch on the fact that we t- I think we talked about last episode that the Raiders are no longer apparently an interested party um, but there was a report that the Panthers made a call but Adam Schefter reported that and then Panthers beat reporters immediately said yeah there has been no call from the Panthers to the Packers so make of that what you will it's kind of there's a lot of cooking going on. But I think the Oh, biggest- and then there
1: was another thing this week It's like, well, the, the Raiders said they're out, but they're not really out. It yeah. came out the story as well. So who know- yeah, who knows, but this is the this is the most concrete thing we've heard so I, I far think this about Rodgers talking to
0: the Jets. By far the biggest I mean actual tangible, not just like, oh, someone called someone. Like this is Aaron Rodgers meeting with the Jets and I mean step 1 is he has to be okay going somewhere. Cause he could just be like, yeah, I'm going to retire. If you trade me somewhere, I don't want right. to go. He has um, de-, de facto, uh, um, and the, the
1: fact that at least no Wingo,
0: Wingo is reporting that like, he seems like he would be okay with going to the jets. That's step one. Now, step two is getting the jets to come to a price point that the Packers are okay with that trade. But I mean, very interesting and we'll keep monitoring it as we go. Uh, Anything else you wanted to touch on with the Rodgers situation? Because that's pretty much all we have is that he's talking with the Jets. I, I the think Packers we have to be open to moving him and that that's kind of where we're going. And I think something happening is imminent.
1: Yeah. I, I think we've, um, you know, worked this little, t- little tiny bit of news for uh, enough content. Um, by <laughs> no, now. we could always work it for more. <laughs>
0: um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so that's kind of the main news surrounding Aaron Rodgers. And then just another small nugget of news is that both Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes seem to be progressing well through their injury rehab. Stokes, I think, is his goal is to be ready by training camp. And then Gary, I think his goal is to be ready by the start of the season. So both progressing very well. Um, so that's definitely good news. And, you know, just hoping for a speedy recovery for both of those guys. I know they're both really young, talented players on this defense that the Packers are gonna need if they're Going to be a good defense in
1: 2023, but that, yeah, it was we... nice actually to hear something about Stokes being ready for training camp because we never really got a good description of yeah. what his injury was. We never and even and got so... a video. They never even showed a. Well, replay. they they we like we talked about <laughs> this. <laughs> they, they they said no. This is too gruesome for anybody to see. Yeah, so we, ankle. We're not going to show it I again. Think, yeah, ankle and knee injuries, but so they but what we... I've seen listed is an ankle. But anyway, this sounds like better news.
0: Yes. And so now this takes us to our combine review. We talked a lot in our previous episode, doing our combine pre-draft sh- our pre-combine show uh, about different thresholds the Packers have for a variety of positions. We talked about safeties, tight ends, uh, D linemen, edges, and wide receivers. Essentially, talking about all of the. Players the Packers have drafted under Gutekunst and essentially where their different measurable and athletic testing thresholds seem to cluster for these different positions. If you want to listen to that, go check out wherever you're listening to this podcast. It'll be the podcast previously. Um, Some really good work done by UDAD uh, collecting all that data and looking at it and looking at the clusters there. Um, But so now that we have this combined data, I think what we're going to do here is just talk about some positive takeaways in terms of like through a Packers lens and some negative things through a Packers lens that we kind of have some as our takeaways, essentially, from this combine. Um, Dad, do you want to start us off? We'll go positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, and you just start with whichever your first positive is, and then I'll follow
1: up. All right. So I'll I'll go first. So I'll start with my positives. And what I have first is tight end class depth. Yes. And tight end is a, even admitted by Gutekunst, Position of need this off season, and I think all the fans think, okay, we need to add one, possibly two tight ends. Whether we add two through the draft or one through the draft and one free agent, maybe we even add one three. You know, we saw even if it counts counting one of those a free agent signing is re-signing Tunyon. But one thing that we talked about last time is the high correlation, or maybe one of the most recent times, the high correlation between. Um, athleticism at the tight end position and production at the NFL level. And uh, I think I looked over like the top five players in yardage for the year and how uh, the vast majority of them were elite athletes. And so it looks like this is a good year to need tight ends in the draft. So before the combine, there were already five or six tight ends projected to go in the first two rounds on a lot of different draft sites. And those are – and now we have test numbers for most of them. Uh, Michael Mayer, who a lot of people think will be the top tight end, he came out. With, and so I'm going to be just referring to RAS, the relative athletic, athletic score, and not break out the different – at this point, we'll go into more detail maybe in a later episode about the what we think the individual tests that matter more for each position are. But for now, I'm just going to use the RAS, site, the, shout out, the RAS scores.
0: Shout-out Kentley Platt um at MathBomb bomb on twitter he is the one who developed Ras as a measurement system um he's a great follow on twitter at math bomb
1: m-a-m-a-t-h-b-o-m-b so um five of the six who tested are like scored as like good to greater better um than some some elites top of the top of the chart so may a lot of people have think um, as the first tight end, though, that's becoming a little more fluid. He actually had the, the, the lowest score of the group at 8.08. I'm going to um, tell you that, out of 10.
0: I'm going to tell you, no shade, I
1: expected it to be lower. Right. You, it was actually better than you expected. It was good right. enough yeah. that uh, you, you feel like, okay, he could actually do something at the NFL level. Um, in fact, for this group, of the 14 who tested, only one out of the fourteen had a ras below eight. For reference, that
0: was what was his ras? The the one who was 8. The four, eight
1: who was the fourteenth oh.
0: one, the lowest. Do you remember? Oh, the the one who didn't. Yeah,
1: I cannot remember. He is uh, not somebody expected. Maybe but, to be drafted so at all. Pretty much what I was going to say was
0: the two tight ends the Packers have drafted under Gutekunst were both both had rasses under eight. So yeah, almost so this- any tight end they drafted that tested today is a more is a better athlete than either of the guys they drafted in Sternberger
1: or DeGuara. Yeah, there's one guy who was in the fours, maybe he was in the threes, and I don't think he's like rated high enough at any of the draft sites to actually expect to be drafted. So I went, yeah, because he didn't come up in my my list of the the drafts. So I I used so that Dalton Kincaid, he's I think going got a back issue, so he didn't do any testing. Darnell Washington, 6'7", monster, who's also an athletic freak at a nine point eight five incredible agility, incredible agility scores. Second best in the draft at all positions combined.
0: The only person on a better free cone than him is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's yep. seven inches shorter and like a hundred pounds 100 lighter,
1: hundred pounds or eighty pounds or like lighter, like
0: eighty pounds lighter, but still this is the only guy that moved like him that's incredible
1: it's insane
0: and you see washington move the sled with just (laughs) freakish ease honestly i'm at the point where it's like and he 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 kind of got me in his interview as well because he said i think they asked him like what tight end he models his game after and he said mercedes lewis or favorite tight end he said mercedes lewis like yep pat check like if they want to take him at 15 you know I wouldn't hate right it. It might happen now. Yeah.
1: Luke Musgrave is 995, Sam Laporta 926, and then possibly Tucker Craft. L- Laporta is still and, my guy. Laporta is uh, still my guy. And these are the five or six who have mostly been in the first two round conversation. There are a whole lot of other tight ends who are expected to go round three or later using the the draftnetwork.com's overall rank to you know kind of place them in the buckets of which round. So that's a little... That is an estimate, and I could have used a bunch of other sites or tried to go through the trouble of getting a consensus. But for this, I just wanted to look at who. So, in the fourth round, there's um, Benton Strange who had an eight nine two. Fifth round, Davis Allen eight seven seven. Luke Schoonmaker, I think I say pronounce his name nine seven five. In the sixth round, Zach Kuntz, who actually had the best score, if, if, despite the fact that Darnell Washington was a you know, athletic freak. He didn't even have the best um, athletic testing score overall. That was Zach, Zach Koontz, who had a 10.0, um, 6'7", 255-pound tight end, who had, I think, the the fastest 40, and I forget what else he, he did. Penn
0: State knows how to prep their guys for the combine. I don't know if you remember, like three years ago, well, Mike Kosicki absolutely annihilated the combine.
1: Though he's, like- he He finished at Old Dominion. So he oh, started uh, at Penn State uh, and then transferred to Old Dominion. So he had his last two years, and this last year was cut short by injury at Old Dominion. But had a pretty productive uh, year before last. So he, th- so he didn't finish it at Penn State. Um, and then another s- projected sixth rounder, Pain Eight One Eight, and then two either seventh round or unfund, depending on you know how how deep go on um, Will Mallory and Josh Weil. Um, I mean, like nine one nine and eight eight six. Yeah, so
0: the, over, the point of it is that there are a lot of athletic tight ends the Packers have to pick from, and there are a lot, of, a lot of the top tight ends tested out as elite athletes as well, which is always a good sign for a tight end prospect.
1: Right. And so I think the Packers can get one of the, maybe they'll get one tight end early, one of the projected stars, but then you could still, which seems to pay off a lot, get a later round flyer on an athlete. Yeah. And a lot of the top tight ends are not actually early round draft. Um, draft picks. Yeah. And, and so I think the big thing is like the Packers,
0: like I think it's just to Guara under contract for next year right now. Mercedes yes, Lewis. because not is, even yeah. Tyler Davis is under contract right now. Yeah. It's I, like I they have one just guy in the room if they started,
1: like if they started the season tomorrow, they need tight ends yep. badly. And, and just to also talk about how good this class is. So they have seven in the class already. And Kincaid may make it eight with a Rass over nine. So last year was also a pretty good year. There were six. But in 2021, there were only three, and in 2020, there were only two.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's freaking out to be a historic tight end class. I've seen people talk about, like, oh, like, could it be, like, the first year that more tight ends are taken in the first round than receivers? I think Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy said that on their podcast, which is a great podcast. You should give it a listen. Uh, and then I think um, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I believe, said that he wouldn't be surprised if three tight ends went in the first round. And we don't need to hit tight end too heavily, but it's a big need for the Packers, and there looks like there's many. Looks like there's going to be a lot of options there for them. Um, yep. do you want to move on to the my next? Yeah. Positive so is... why don't
1: you go on to your next positive? Okay, and your first then, positive.
0: Yeah. So my first positive was first round defensive tackle athleticism. Now, um, in terms of players that were going to be there, that um. The, the Packers might take, um, Packers, I think do have a need at interior defensive line. I know that why will most likely be taking a lot more snaps next year, but Lowry and Reed are most likely going to be gone. Um, so that leaves essentially two of their four highest snap takers along the defensive line last year. Just, you need to fill those snaps. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they take a defensive lineman in the first round. And there were three guys that particularly stood out to me, um, that, Stood out to me going into like the combine where I was like, Yeah, these I like what these guys have put on tape so far. Um, I think that the Packers could take them there at uh, pick 15, um, if they decide to go that route. And that was the first one was Brian Brzey out of Clemson, um, had a RAS of 9.04, six foot five and a half, two ninety eight pounds, 32 and a half inch arms, which is about average, maybe slightly below. Um, only a 29 inch vertical, which is average, and didn't broad jump, so that's going to be interesting to see if he does that on his pro day. And I'm sure the Packers will be keeping a close eye on that because they do care about the broad jump for most positions. Um, but a 4.8640, which is very fast, with elite 10 and 20 yard times. The he has like slightly shorterish arms. Actually, that 32 and a half is a bit below average, um, especially for his height. At six foot five, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on.
1: The other and, one, and I would bit, just sorry, add. You said that twenty nine inch vertical is average, but it is uh, a vertical that they've had several of their draftees uh, hit before. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Ford and Slayton all hit twenty nine inch vertical. Yeah, and then the next one was
0: Kalijah Um He did not do the jumps, um, but he did run a blistering four six seven forty at 6, 1, 281 Crazy pounds, time. which is absurd. Um, with elite ten and twenty yard splits, however. He's getting a lot of Aaron Donald comps because he's a smaller interior defensive lineman from Pitt who, like, rushes the passer. His arms are really short. I'm talking, like, first percentile short arms, like 30-inch arms, like, very short, like, two inches shorter than Aaron Donald's. So that's a little scary. And so that's someone they could take a look at. When I watch him play, like, he looks really dynamic. I mean, they're playing him, like, straight up at nose, like, uh, or like kind of shaded to the cent- like center, like he's having to take on double teams. Um, and he looks really good. He looks really explosive. And I would imagine like when he does his jumps at his pro day, they're going to be insane. Um, but they don't have that right now. So he ha- yeah. doesn't even have a RAS cause he hasn't completed enough drills, but he's one to <laughs> keep an eye on for the Packers just cause I think he's going to test out of his mind. And the biggest question is what the arm length question concerns are going to be. And then the last one is out Tomiwa Ar- um, tomiwa Adebawore, um, out of Northwestern, I believe. And my goodness, I mean, a RAS of 9.85. So what that breaks down is uh, six one and 5 eighths inches, 282 pounds, 33 and 7 eight inch arms, which is long. I mean, his arms are longer than Brian Brzee's, and Brian Brzee is four inches taller than him. A four four nine forty. He ran faster than almost every safety in this class, which we're about to talk about. Like, he's 60 pounds like, heavier than every safety and ran faster than almost every single one. With elite 10 and 20 yard splits, a 37 and a half inch vert, a 10 foot 5 inch broad and 27 reps on the bench. I mean, he just obliterated the combine and he was someone that was going like mid second, early third. I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't go late first, at least right now with what he just put at the combine. Like people are going to bet on athletic traits like that. And he's a guy that I think the Packers might just take and be like, hey, it's a bit of a project. Uh, I mean, he's a freak. You can't
1: teach those kind of numbers like at all. And like he he looks pretty good playing as well. So here's the question. Is he going to play more? And I don't know what he actually how he lined up um, in college, edge or D tackle. That is the question. He's a little
0: big for edge 281. He's a little small for tackle. He worked out with the tackle with the D tackles, and so mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's probably where he's leaning, uh, or what teams have told him. Because usually, like they have them work out with what teams I'm have sure told them there looking to, at him to,
1: to do a certain. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine yes. their teams are looking at him for D tackle, but that is a good question. Um, maybe he'll be able to do both. He'll line up inside, like kind of what Z was doing. He'll line up outside and inside, and and uh, split time.
0: Yeah, I mean, in, he's, in alignment. he's just a freak. But just essentially, the positive is there are a lot of elite athletes at the defensive tackle
1: position. Um, yeah, and one and, thing I wanted to add about Kansi is I think he did very well in the one on ones at the Senior Bowl. If I if I've got it if I've got the if I've got it right, does I, I that think ring a bell? Right. I, I trust I trust i Remember, trying to remember. I've looked at so many one on ones, I forget now <laughs> how many of the how many players I, I looked at, and I know tr- I can't. I can't remember if he was the ones, one of the ones I looked at or not. I think so. I
0: trust you. I trust you on that. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's my po- my first positive is that do you tackle athleticism? like A lot of those mid-first-round mid, mid first round pick guys um, tested really well and are probably the type of athlete that the Packers would look at and the type of player that the Packers would look at, so for them not to like kind of test their way out of the Packers' thresholds is good. Do you want to give us your first negative?
1: Yeah, so we just kind of referred to it. My first negative from the Combine is the speed of the safety class. Just the safety uh, class in
0: general, just the athletic testing of the safety class was was putrid. It was so bad. Yeah. What was it? I um, think I, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but no, go ahead. Go ahead. I won't steal your thunder.
1: And I was trying to remember what the average was for the league. And I did. did, did the you, average of a draft safety, I believe I heard was, it it was four, 5 2 Okay, I, I, that's what I had. And I, it's like, Tommy, do I have this number right? Because this is what I remember. That was 452. So, And also, the other thing I put in, I expanded the uh, Packers safeties that i looked at from our last podcast to all the Packers who had had um, a decent number of snaps um, over the last five years. So even including, you know, like um, Ibrahim Campbell, Josh Jones, Kentrell Bryce, HaHa Clinton Dix. And so... Over the last five years, the slowest Packer safety with any meaningful snaps was HaHa Clinton-Dix at 4.58, and the team average was 4.49. This year in the Combine, only seven safeties um, beat that league average 4.52 number. Yeah. And when looking – remember we were talking about this kind of long-term before about um, Savage as a safety or not, and if we want to look for somebody – yeah you know to kind of take his safety role if he's gonna either this is gonna be his last year on the team or if he's gonna move full- time to nickel. Um, there is no one in the class with his speed, which is four three six. There's just no one. The closest yeah. is Brandon Hill at four four three. And he's projected to go day three. He's not even a highly regarded safety,
0: yeah. and it seems like like all of the highly regarded safeties, None of them tested well. Not even my guy, Jair Brown, out of uh, Penn State, who I was really high on, tested awfully. Brian Branch out of Alabama did not test well. He was probably the only safety that was really getting mocked in first rounds. I'd be a little surprised if any
1: safeties went in the first round now. They might not. Uh, yeah, so he he's another guy who we'd comparing to Savage because he played a lot in the slot in college. But he's a, even though he's a little taller than Savage, he's actually lighter and ran a 4.58 compared to Savage's 4.36. Yeah. Though he still may be one of the better safety pr- prospects, kind of depending on what you're looking for. This is something I need to spend a little more time at looking at their athletic scores, their th- um, and but, but, th- uh, but Branch, might be, and Branch their... might be Branch slot corner only. He might not even be a real safety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. And th- that because uh, looking for people. Players who have a, a decent coverage grade, a decent run stop grade in terms of not missing too many tackles, and having good testing. The the, the players had like the best athletic testing, probably like Sydney Brown, um, cut sec- project to go second round, and then uh, a later round um, picks Brandon Hill and Daniel Scott, who are not expe- who are going to be like a late day three picks likely. But then there's some players who didn't test like. Uh, um... Jail Skinner for Boise State, yeah, he who got hurt Peck right before the and the he's an, he's a player we be keeping an eye on. Um, if he can uh, is ready to work out by his pro day because he's had some uh, put up some some good tape, I think, as well as um play. So we'll see um if that changes anything. But still, yeah, there are, it's it's not like there are this depth of safeties we'll be able to get like a, a high end athlete as exactly. a. And as like, a as a wild card to to, te- to hope for something on in day three, yeah, it's just like none of the top rated guys tested well, and I think this almost like
0: they're gonna have to pivot to take it get at least one guy in free agency because during his uh combine presser gutikenst essentially said we need to fill both of those spots at safety, pretty much just confirming that yeah we're gonna have two new starting safeties next year uh. Yeah. or at least a lot so, of competition at those spots, and so where you get you're not getting both of those guys in the draft. Like,
1: yeah, I think they're definitely going to um, sign one good safety. So they may be spending like almost all of their free agent capital on safety. I expect they may also sign one on um, a tight end. So it's, maybe it's so like hard though They'll because... free up enough money to get like fifteen million, they can spend on two free agents to get a, a, a safety and a tight end. It's just like so 50 tough. Million this year you would be, you could um, work the numbers to have the cap hit hit later. It's just so hard because like
0: there aren't, it's not a very strong free agency class overall, but there are a lot of teams with a lot of money to spend. And so I think yes. the Packers are going to get priced out like, like <laughs> by all these teams that have money with, and with nothing to spend it on, they might as well just <laughs> throw a few dollars around
1: hopefully they don't need safeties I mean tight ends. yeah but was it
0: I think the top one is going to be Jesse Bates but there's no way they're going to be able to afford it no him. this
1: is going to be like what is he like um, projected on spot spot track to be like 12 billion 14 million something crazy like that but, but we there's well, some we other guys who, yeah we and we could go yeah, into the, the free agency a little bit later well, let's, but let's I'd move say on I, to, I suspect they'll get somebody so what's your what's your next, negative what's yeah. your first negative
0: My first negative for the combine is the size of the top end receivers. So we talked a little bit about that in that pre-combine episode about how the Packers prefer to draft taller receivers. Three of the seven of their receivers that they've taken under Gutekinds fall in the 90th percentile of height, which is around six foot four. But even when they take a smaller guy like an Amari Rogers, they need to be Bulkier. So Amari Rogers was like 5'9 and a half, but he weighed 215 pounds. And the smallest guy they've taken was Samari Touré in the seventh round, who was like 195 pounds. So they do not 19, like... 191. 191. But, but seventh, he was over six feet. Yeah, but he's over six feet and a seventh rounder. So that's the smallest guy they've taken. Of PFF's top five receivers in this class, three of them would be the smallest ever drafted by Goodkins. Zay Flowers, 5'10", 172. Jordan Addison, 6'175". And Josh Downs 5'10-175. So that's looking at PFFs, essentially big board, and those that's how those are three guys are all in the top five. But all three of those guys are pretty much too small for Goodkins thresholds and would be a major outlier in terms of his drafting pattern so far. And then you go down the list, five of ten of five of the top ten are too small. That's adding in Tank Dell, who's five foot and Jalen Hyatt, who's six foot one eighty. I mean, these guys are really small and I know when Gutekinds drafted Amari Rodgers, he made a point. He said he's short, but he's not a small man. And so it seems like he was essentially defending and saying, no, no, we're not drafting small guys. Like, he's still big. Essentially just intimating that we're drafting bigger receivers. We want size at the receiver position. Even if it doesn't necessarily equate to height, he wants bigger guys at the receiver position. And so a lot of these top guys, if you're looking at receiver this year, are small. And
1: so yeah, that's and, and they're not awesome. it's not like they're just a little smaller, they're, they're like really twenty, twenty five pounds lower than the threshold.
0: Yeah. It's like it's not even close. And I mean, and even the guys who are who are touching like one eighty, like Hyatt and Addison, I mean, they're over six feet tall, so they're built like sticks. So like you could say, Hey, like, Addison's six foot one seventy five, I mean, that's still seventeen pounds or sixteen pounds lighter than Toure, like at the same height. Yeah. That's that's really small, and maybe they make an exception for a guy like him where he's such a good route runner, but he didn't even necessarily run very well. I mean, he ran a 4.49, which is good, but the rest of the drills were only okay. And then Hyatt, maybe they make an exception because he's so dang fast. I think he ran a 4.39 in the end, which is very fast. I know some people thought he might run faster, but I mean, maybe they make exceptions for guys that they think are like supremely skilled or have a special trait like speed, but they haven't in the past. And I just don't see, like, I feel like a lot of these options at receivers have almost been already knocked out as potential options just by how big they are. And, you know, maybe they go outside of thresholds, but they haven't in the past. So,
1: yeah, we'll see if they if they do, because last year they did kind of break their trends with the two first round picks, though you do generally feel like they're going to stick more to their thresholds for higher picks and maybe break them later, like they did for Touré for a seventh rounder. Yep. And so that's my negative. Do you want to go on to your next positive? Sure. I'll go to my next positive, which is um, that you talked about the D linemen in the the first round. And I was looking at I think there are also some athletic D linemen that are projected for day two or three where the Packers – could add some depth, even if they picked up someone early. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they could take two D linemen in this draft. Um, and I and I think if they didn't get somebody early, I think they can still get possible contributors from from day two. Some of the some some day two, some day three. So on day two, um, you have Ke- um, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin and his RAS of eight point six five. So I'm looking at uh, the their athletic score again. So these not looking at pro- um, production at this point how well they did in college but you know what we've learned from the combine and Benton I think also did very well at the 101s in the senior bowl some of these guys I don't know uh, much about them now they, um, a couple more day two um, projected this is again I think from uh, um projections from the the, the draft network Gervin dexter who had a 921 and Colby wooden who had a 901 um there's some additional um, athletic uh, profiles for D lineman in, in, in day three, and maybe some of these some of these projections may change after the combine, and it hasn't been updated yet. And it may start uh, getting um, more like you know second third round buzz for some of these guys instead of you know fourth fifth and sixth round buzz. But Moro Ajomo from Texas is a, a guy who had some um, nice numbers in I think the uh, um, s- speed and um, uh, explosion um, drills had eight five six Zach Pickens who I've heard a number of people mock to the Packers uh, um, a few weeks ago. He had an eight nine seven um from, from South Carolina. I don't remember the schools for all of these guys Jalen Redmond a nine six three and Dante stills an eight four four so even on day three there are still like four um defensive tackles. Who look like they're um, have a a nice um, athletic upside, and then there are always I think some additional um, you know we talked about this last time that the the d tackle really has two different kinds of players the the pass rushing ends and the uh, it's got a run stuffing nose tackle in the middle like uh, um, more like a, a Slayton kind of profile than a um, a Wyatt kind of profile but there, there so there are going to be some possible you know big run stuffers available late as well as some of these more athletic possible pass rushing juice uh, um guys who might end up more as a three uh three four end instead of a um nose. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I mean I think they need like I said, they're going to be missing Reed and Lowry probably next year. They're going to need D-line help and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they take three. I mean, you know we know they like double and triple dipping at these positions where they have these weaknesses. I know they kind of have a lot of weaknesses right now, so maybe they won't have the luxury of doing that.
1: But also, you know, there seems like there are going to be opportunities there. Um, yeah. And that would surprise me if if, if somebody falls to them in the first round, like, uh, proceed and they, they'll, they'll grab him and then add one of these other guys in, like, the fourth, fifth, or sixth round as a second, uh, um, D lineman and try to, you know, get one of these, uh, um, whoever's still, you know, on the board as athletic and uh, one of those kind of, yeah. Day but three I also picks. think it's going to depend
0: on how many first rounders they have. Like if they trade Rogers and if they don't yes. are two completely different things. Yes,
1: a lot of these are making uh, a lot of my what what they might pick assumptions are being driven by having two firsts and two seconds.
0: Yeah. Um. For my second positive. Uh, it was that it seems like there are going to be four quarterbacks going before the Packers pick with how well, uh, Stroud threw during the drills with how well Anthony Richardson. I mean, Anthony Richardson looked like the greatest athlete at the quarter position, quarterback position of well, all he, time at the combine of all time. Yeah. I yeah, think he broke like, broke, like the vertical broke. record. I think he was close to breaking the 40 yard dash record for a quarterback, like, I mean, just annihilated every single drill. And then Levis, apparently, uh, I, I didn't keep a super close eye on the quarterbacks, but I think Levis did pretty well as well. And then, um, help me out, the the guy out of Alabama, um, the main guy, the guy who's going to go first overall. Um, um, young. Yes, Bryce Young. Thank you. Uh, But so it's seeming like all four of those guys will probably go before pick 15 at this point, which is good for the Packers, because that means players at positions that they actually need are going to get driven down the board. So they'll essentially have their pick at like a top 11 non quarterback player. Which, you know, is good. And also there's some downside that some of these more quarterback needy teams are gonna draft a quarterback and so there's less competition to trade for Aaron Rodgers and drive the price up. But it is what it is. You know, they're gonna have a better chance at drafting a good player with all these other teams taking quarterbacks ahead of them.
1: Yeah, I think with the uh with the Richardson combine, any thought of him. Still being around and and being not a drafted after the Packers because is never going to happen. Now. Not a prayer. And and the thing is, it's
0: like it's like maybe people were saying maybe he makes fifteen, you trade down. He's maybe he's
1: going to be maybe he's going to be number one overall now. There's there's talk. I there's, mean, there's some chatter about it. I don't know yeah. how much of it is
0: real. I mean, I mean Bryce Young didn't throw at the combine, which was kind of a <laughs> underrated story. I mean, he came in, hit the two hundred pound mark, and said, "I'm going home."
1: Right. <laughs> said, he he I showed up. He showed up big enough. Yes, he was, you know, five ten and change, and over two hundred. And people yeah. were afraid he was going to be like one, se- one seventy well, or something we, like we these all receivers. no,
0: he was not playing at two hundred. Like,
1: we so can, he was on like the, uh, um,
0: he the had king size Homer diet. He had weights in his. <laughs> he had weights in his socks. He he had. Oh, in his I pockets. remember.
1: Who was it? Some offensive lineman or something was telling a story about wearing like. Iron pants under his sweats or something for the for the team weighs during, weekly, so yeah, he would you can't, you can't get away with that at the combine. <laughs> they but, can't get away with it. But that's, so the that's my
0: that's my second positive is that there are going to be four quarterbacks going ahead of the Packers, yeah. so they'll have a better chance of getting a good player.
1: At he was just on the um the 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 doctor Nick uh, king size Homer diet. Yeah, I mean they they
0: clearly <laughs> were just like the goal of the combine for us is to weigh in above two hundred pounds so that athletically we're comparable to Kyler. I think is the big thing because like now right. he's about the same height and weight as Kyler. Um, but dad, what was your uh, last negative?
1: My I last think, negative. I think ours are pretty similar on the last negative. Was uh, about the O-line and how we didn't. So the, the, I think some information the last few years come out about this short shuttle being really the best predictor for O-line performance. And this is, uh, I think I would I, what I was like, Josh Norris and Kevin Cole were commenting on this Twitter fairly recently, I believe, that the the best correlation is between short shuttle and offensive lineman success, and I think it's not just tackle, but I have to I'd have to double check on that. But what they um, what I mentioned is that twenty four out of twenty eight um, O linemen who ran four four seven or better were drafted, and they went on to start eighty four percent of their team's games. So only one offensive lineman who ran the short shuttle was better than four four seven, Um But the problem is, like, out of this year's combine um, – Which uh, which guy was that again? <sighs> oh, shoot. I'd have to go back in and I'll, look at I'll that. I'll look while you – there, there are only 25 O-linemen who actually ran the short shuttle. So that's the problem is, like, most of the top O-linemen didn't even bother to do it. So you don't really have a good um, – I think the best measure that seems to be is something that they didn't do. Maybe some of them will do it at the pro day. Um, and so we'll get some more information about them to try to figure out, um, who might be uh, a good fit. And sometimes you, this is a way Packers, I think have picked up some, uh, later round flyers who have turned out to be good. Um, like Zach, Zach, Tom, um, did he beat this threshold? He was just such a good tester in so many ways. um, he you was know, right at four, four seven. I'm looking at it now. I believe it was John Gaines out of UCLA. Yes, from UCLA. Guard from yeah. UCLA. He was the one. Yeah, I rec- recognize his name because I think I picked him in one of my many, many mock drafts recently. Yeah, so he's going to be one to keep an eye on in um, later rounds. He's, he's
0: probably a day two guy at this point, right? I mean, he tested out of, the mo- out of his mind as well. Um, I he might move up into the second round maybe.
1: with that. I don't think he was in the second round before, but I can't remember. I haven't, I haven't been looking to draft guards that early. Yeah. So he's not a late day three anyway, ever, because it was never on my boards. So, yeah. uh, But this and may push him into into uh, um, day two. Yeah, and my my second negative is kind of similar to yours,
0: but it was just that lots of players didn't really work out at all and are choosing to wait for their pro days, which like more power to them. It's a more controlled environment. You can kind of get up your weight at the combine and then slim down a little bit and test a little better at your pro day. But guys like Miles Murphy didn't work out. Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston didn't run 40s. Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of, um, I think Syracuse is it, who is expected to be the best corner or best or second best corner in this class, didn't test. Mozzie Smith, nose tackle out of Michigan, didn't work out at all. I mean, just it kind of goes down and down the list, but essentially a lot of players didn't test, so we don't really have numbers for them. Pro day numbers are always also a little less controlled, a little harder to trust because these schools have a vested interest in these players testing well um, so sometimes there's shenanigans going on with some of that pro day testing um, I mean obviously the teams aren't necessarily fooled at all because they have their own guys they're doing all the measurements themselves but the stuff that the schools post is usually a little bit doctored um,
1: but yeah so yeah, and, it's it just and some it's of these players t- that were very interested for the backers like Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston are some of the few early round receivers who are meet or close enough to the some of the Packers thresholds and, and Mozzie Smith is somebody I've heard a lot of people interested as a potential um D lineman for the Packers in the second round
0: yeah but so it's, it just kind of sucks that a lot of guys didn't work out I mean totally get it um but it's it's yeah. it's a little it's a little tough for the Packers and for people who like following the draft
1: um but that what was your last positive let's end on a good note so my last positive even though it didn't seem like, you know, a lot of the top end wide receivers were meeting the Packers' size thresholds, there's still going to be some receivers in the later rounds and on day 3 to try to build depth like they did last year with Dobbs and Toure and and it seems like they've hit with Dobbs um potential long-term starter. So using like uh the a 44840 um which was like EQ's 40 and then at 200 pounds, which seems to be a threshold for almost all the receivers except um, Samari Touré. Um, possible day three wide receivers to that meet these thresholds are Andre Yosivas Jos- from Princeton, Matt Landers from Arkansas, Bryce Ford Wheaton, who had an amazing um, combine. I don't actually Someone's, someone's going to take
0: a, a chance on him because I think he had like almost a 10 RAS. Like,
1: he was yeah, he may have mind. had the best RAS for all the wide receivers. So not particularly productive and I think only the second most productive receiver on his team um, so this is one thing I'd have to go through these more to see one uh, of the better predictor, you know actual production in college is a, a really good predictor for how a receiver is going to do in the pros but I think you want to try to find the people who have done both um, other receivers from the specials um, Jacob Copeland from Maryland and Jonathan Mingo from Mississippi uh, meeting both of these height and speed Thresholds. If you lower the weight to 191, uh, using two arrays, which is the only one uh, the Packers have drafted under two, um, 200 pounds, you could add another couple of um, candidates, in Trey Palmer from Nebraska and uh, At Perry from Wake Forest. So there are some possible um, receivers that the Packers will could could uh, still take and and uh, still fit within their. Um, thresholds that they've sh- shown in the past so uh, and i think they will i think they might take they might they might even draft three receivers this year if they uh aren't able to bring anybody back because they don't have that many on the team right now under contract
0: yeah I, and i think just the fact that there's a lot of like essentially high weight speed freak athletes available late I and mean, that's the kind of guys they like to take like that's that's what MVS was like. That's what Equinemius Saint Brown was in a lot of ways. Like those are the guys they yep. like taking. They were in the fifth draft. and
1: sixth rounders.
0: Yep. And you know, the, I would say both of those very successful. I mean, or sixth rounder Equinemius Saint Brown still in the league. Like that's great. And MVS, I mean, he's got a ring now,
1: so he's got a ring and ten million dollars a year contract. And at yeah. EQ, I think, if he didn't get hurt early on, he may have done more with the Packers. Yeah, so that was hard to tell. And then my
0: final positive is. Um, mostly associated with Brian Gutekind's presser and that it seems like the Packers are aware of their needs um, according to Jackson's so from the presser uh, Gutekunst specifically mentioned safety and tight end as positions of need um, like we said earlier he said essentially they're probably going to need two new starting safeties or fill both spots I think was the language that he used um, and then he mentioned uh, tight end as well as a big need and then based on a lot of reporting around the combine, they met with like four or five of the top tight ends already during the combine. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba um, they met with as well. And he said during his interview that uh, the Packers are quote, definitely looking for a receiver end quote. Um, so it seems like the Packers, like I have like, defined needs that they see as like, hey, here's where the roster needs improvement. And I think they kind of align with how most people view the roster. And so that's kind of just like my last, like tacking on positive that, hey, they know what the problems are and they know where this roster needs shoring up. And it seems that they're like doing that due diligence at those positions. Uh, yeah, they,
1: they met with a number of the uh, top receivers as well. Even yeah, they met with Johnston. Who, they met with, uh, who, he, who else they meet with? I think they met with Zay Flowers. They even met with guys mm-hmm. who don't meet their thresholds. That's interesting. I had not seen the Zay Flowers one. I think it was Zay Flowers. I don't remember about Hyatt. Maybe it was Hyatt. Um, But they weren't sticking to their thresholds in the the meetings that were reported. That's interesting. Something to keep an eye on. But anyway, Dad, anything you wanted to tack on before we wrap up here? Um, I would just say that one thing you see from the meetings is they may not necessarily take that player, but it often means they'll take somebody in that position yes when they're when they're meeting with um with individual players yeah agreed but anyway thanks so much for listening this has been
0: our combine breakdown of the 2023 nfl combine uh like we said if you like what you heard come give us a follow on twitter at father son come find us on youtube any other podcast platform uh we'll be probably trying to do an emergency episode if any aaron Rodgers news drops soon so follow us on twitter for keeping up with that uh, and then we'll be posting Mock Draft Mondays every single Monday. We'll be doing one episode a week for the rest of the off-season.
1: And until next time, Go Paco Go! Go pack, Go!